to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Well, I believe that every person has a moment when their soul will no longer be denied. And that moment either stalls them out or calls them to action. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. That clip was from Robina Binion of Sacramento, California, a CPA that coaches her clients on soul, self, and wealth. This is another very unique and interesting interview. As you'll hear, Robina has her own practice and is a CPA, but she doesn't do any tax, audit, or what we typically think of as accounting work. Instead, she serves as a coach for her clients in all the areas I mentioned previously, soul, self, and wealth. It really is a fascinating story. I've come across many accountants in my career that want to, quote, you know, make a difference with their career. And Robina is doing exactly that. She has a very unique business. If you find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials, books, blogs, other podcasts, of course, and even a few tools for employers as well. If you are an employer, make sure you check out our hiring checklist for small businesses. It's a tip sheet with very practical tips that you could put into use immediately. Once again, that site is whereaccountantsgo.com. With that, let's go ahead and get started with the interview. Here's Robina Binion. Well, hello, Robina. Thanks for scheduling this with us today. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, for the audience, sometimes you see something online that just piques your interest. And that, in a nutshell, is why we have Robina Binion on the program today. Robina is in the Sacramento, California area. And while doing some of my research for one of our other shows, actually, I ran across her information and specifically a description that she had online that said she is, quote, a relationship coach for your soul, yourself, and your money. And she is a CPA, so I couldn't help but reach out to Robina and see if she'd be willing to share her story and some of that background with us. Robina, for what I saw online, you've had a really interesting career with lots of variety, and I definitely you'll want to get into your current situation, of course, and how you've positioned your consulting practice. But before we do all that, I think it's important for the audience to understand where you came from and and how you got to where you are today. What initially caused you to think that accounting might be a good career to pursue in the first place? Oh, you know, gosh, I think I was about 14 years old and there was somebody that I knew that I looked up to and she was a CPA. I didn't even know really what a CPA was, but I looked up to her. And so I decided I was going to be a CPA. And fortunately for me, I was good with numbers and it came naturally. 
So in high school, I took a bookkeeping class and kind of the rest is history. It just, you know, one thing kind of transitioned into another and led me to accounting and, you know, to ultimately become a CPA. Wow. Was that just like a family friend or a family member? The C- I'm just curious. The CPA, was it like a strong relationship or someone you just happened to meet? I belong to a service organization. It's called the International Order of Rainbow for Girls, and it's an organization for young women. And we do service in the community as a part of what the organization does. And she was one of the advisors for the organization. And she just had an impact in my life. And just something about her spoke to me. And again, I really didn't know what a CPA was, but it kind of caught my attention. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do when I'm older. That is cool. We never realize how much influence we're having in the moment, you know, and and Mm -hmm. she made a difference. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, tell us about your early years in the profession, because it looks like you started in public accounting. I guess, what were those early years like and how did those formative years benefit you? You know, what did you learn in the early years? Well, you know, the early years coming out of college was a bit of a challenge because back then, you know, it wasn't so easy to get a job. And, you know, is you know, going around getting a job, sending out the resumes in the mail, making phone calls. But I did start with a small firm. I didn't want to go work for one of the real big firms because it meant moving to the city and traveling a lot based upon what I heard. And so I stayed closer to home, took a job with a smaller accounting firm and really just kind of where I learned a lot of, you know, the foundational pieces of accounting and was fortunate that the firm I started with, actually all of the partners came from the big firm. And back then it was probably like the big six, you know, I've been doing this for a while. And when I started, I worked in both audit and tax. And fortunately, because I worked for companies doing their books while I was in college, I had a general knowledge of how companies worked and the accounting side of it. And so that transitioned well into auditing the companies. And then once we were done auditing the companies, I would roll into preparing the tax returns for the companies. And I actually enjoyed that because it kind of gave you a full picture of the company. And because you were auditing them, you knew what was happening in the books. And when you were preparing the tax return, you could be thinking about that and you know, kind of thinking in the back of your mind, oh, this transaction happened. How does that impact the tax return? And so I really was able to learn both sides of the practice and learn kind of the whole picture for the client and the company. And I really enjoyed that. You said when you got out of school, it was a little harder you know, at that right. time. Was part of that the economy at that time? You know, I don't know if it was the economy. I don't know if I was kind of tapped into it as much. You know, the dot-com burst happened actually after I was working for a while. I think it was just more of when I went out into the workplace, people wanted you to have public accounting experience when you went to smaller firms. And generally, people went to bigger firms to get that. And being in a smaller town is, you know, it just, it's the more competition, you know, fewer firms, more competition out there. And so they were looking for experience. And I actually ended up, I had quit my job. I trained my replacement. I was doing all of the books and office manager for an architecture firm. And I left that job. I knew I was graduating. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out and work at a CPA firm now. And, and so I was being responsible of finding a replacement. And then I couldn't get a job. 
So I ended up working at a jewelry store for a while until I could get a job. And someone finally, one of the partners that I was able to connect with, you know, kind of through those phone calls that I was making, he appreciated that I had worked through college and decided that he was going to kind of take a chance on me because of that. And I was able to get my first job in public accounting. Interesting. And and I noticed you said phone calls you were making. So you were very actively looking. You were taking your destiny into your own hands, so to speak. Right. Well, back then it was, you looked up all of the firms in the phone book and (laughs) you mailed out your resume and mailed out letters. And anytime I could connect with somebody, I was getting their business card and I was following up with a thank you note and making phone calls. There wasn't really, the email wasn't what it is today back then. And it was all about the human connection and just really kind of taking a gulp and believing in myself and just picking up the phone and calling somebody to try to to get in front of them and get a meeting. Okay. Yeah, something that also sort of piqued my interest about your background online, you went through a 10-year period uh, after this in public accounting, but it looked like you were at three firms. You went through three mergers right in succession. (laughs) It seemed like everywhere you would go, they would merge. And I don't know if it was really like that. That's what it you know appeared to be from what I was looking at. And that's something that's happening a lot these days. I mean, take us through that period of your life and sort of what you learned and I guess how you survived, <laughs> you know, through all that time yeah. period. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, actually, when I was at those firms, the big mergers happened after I left. But while I was at each of the firms, there were smaller acquisitions kind of building up to make those firms kind of more appealing to the bigger companies to acquire them. So while they have since merged, you know, after leaving, they actually were acquiring companies while I was there. So there were still mergers happening, but on a a smaller scale. I think what that taught me and in retrospect is you have these companies where, you know, you have two companies merging and you have, you know, I was generally on the acquiring side, fortunately. And so the people were coming into our offices and we were having to absorb them into the office space. And, you know, I look at that and I have to kind of think back and say, wow, that must have been really difficult for these people. They had their own office and they had their own way of doing things. And now they have to adapt to a new way of doing things. And, you know, I generally tried to be friends with anyone who came into the firm. And I, at least I like to think that I was. And I would just offer to anybody who's in that position to look at what you can learn from the people who are coming into the firm, or if you yourself are moving into a new firm, what can you learn? Be open to it. Like this is happening for a reason. And the people who are running the company, they've made this decision for a reason. And they feel that it's for the benefit of both companies. And be open to the fact that there's something that you're going to learn that's going to help you in your career. And if you can bridge that gap and start building relationships, then you're going to find that the other company as they you know merge together, they have something to offer you. And maybe there's a new way that you can do something within the company that's going to make you better. And because ultimately you are now one company and you're working towards a common goal. That's a very positive, positive way to look at it. That's very refreshing. 
Definitely. Are there any other sort of best practices you can think of when or actions or, or ways of acting that made a difference, you know, during that time with I imagine you're right. There's a lot of very nervous people, <laughs> you know, having to learn new things, <laughs> you know, coming into right. the at, at that point. You know, I think just be open to also sharing what you know, being patient. And, you know, one of the companies that I was at when we were going through acquiring firms, you're also working with offices that may be all over the United States. And we were also going paperless during the time. That was another thing that was happening. And, you know, working across offices in the same firm can be very different because different offices have different ways of doing things. And so I would just offer, you know, be open to learning new things, hearing what people have to say, and, you know, try not to take things personally. You know, we kind of get set in our ways and the things that we want to do them and believe that we're doing them the best way that they can be done. But just be open. There's always new ways to do things. And, you know, who brings that solution to the table may be someone that surprises you. So just really be open to that and what opportunities that may bring to you. And, you know, I just kind of offer as well you know, just put yourself out there and offer what you know. Maybe there's something that you know that they're looking for and um, a little piece of the puzzle to bring it all together. Okay. Okay. Well, that wasn't what I wanted to focus on, but you have, first of all, you have a very good perspective on it. And since you (laughs) have some history, I wanted to ask, you know, as long as we had you on the show. What I mentioned earlier about the line that, that caught my attention you know, the relationship coach for your soul, yourself, and your money. That was very intriguing. And honestly, I've even done a double take a few times going, is she a CBA? Oh, yeah, she is. Is she a CBA? You know, because it's so unique. Tell us about that. I guess, how are you defining those terms? And when you state that, what is the message that you're trying to get across? Well, I believe that every person has a moment when their soul will no longer be denied. And that moment either stalls them out or calls them to action. And as a relationship coach for your soul, yourself, and your money, I hold a place for you to invest in who you truly are, what you value most, and help you to transform your relationship with money. And so I think you asked, the question was like, how do I define those? Was that correct? Yes. Um, well, you know, I, I think each person defines, defines their soul differently. For me, it is kind of this something that exists in the core, at my core, that is guiding me and directing me. And ultimately, it was like I knew that I had a bigger purpose in this world. And it was what called me to leave my career of, you know, close to 25 years. And just it was something that was saying, I need to do more. I'm not quite sure what it is at this moment, but I'm going to move out of what I'm doing right now and move in the direction of where I'm being called to because I know that there's something else that I'm meant to be doing right now. And that was kind of what I believe is like deep within me and my soul was calling me to do. So what does a day or a week in the life look like of a relationship coach for your soul, yourself, and your money? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, my week is never the same. It can be, you know, connecting with other coaches and talking about, you know, just kind of best practices, what we do with clients. It's connecting with my clients and coaching them. 
what those sessions look like are all very different and you know where they're at in their lives. And it may be that I'm talking to somebody like you about what that I'm doing. It is connecting with other female entrepreneurs and talking about what they're doing in their business. But And I've also started working with businesses and coaching them as well. So I may be going and have a couple hour session with somebody and talking about their business and getting to know them and how I can help them kind of move forward in their business. So it sounds like what you're doing is sort of a cross between a life coach or a business coach and a financial advisor. Do you do taxes as well? Or is that correct? I don't do any taxes. I don't do any accounting for my clients. And I do get that from people. Like, it sounds like you're a life coach. And that's okay if that's how people want to look at it. I look at it very differently because I have the money coaching side of it as a certified money coach. I look at it, it's a behavioral money coaching. So it's looking at the behaviors and patterns that were established early in life around money and how they're playing a part in the decisions that you're making now. And separate from that, then it's kind of like who you are yourself and how you're showing up in your life today and coaching people where they are in that moment, as well as, you know, if someone's wanting to talk about where they are at a soul level and, you know, like I was talking about earlier, like what is your purpose and how do you want to accomplish that? in your life. And so really it's taking the three and integrating them. And I have found in my practice and working with clients that a lot of times the barriers either in their career and where they're at can be at a very personal level. And then also they have, it can be kind of wrapped up in money. So through using the foundation of the money coaching, it really does help them in multiple areas of their life. And so it's a matter of integrating all of it together. Interesting. How many clients do you serve or what's ideal in that? Because it seems like you're getting very personal, obviously, with your clients. This isn't something that, you know, you see them an hour every year. (laughs) It's an ongoing relationship. What's an ideal client load for you? You know, an ideal client load is where I would say, are you talking like the number of clients or the hours? I was thinking a long number of clients, but you know, actually that's a bad assumption on my part because I'm assuming that all of them take the same amount of time, which may not be true. Yeah, I guess how many clients can you service with that kind of practice for lack of a better term? Well, it's a matter of just how I want to structure my life because, you know, I want it to be where it doesn't interfere with my personal life as well. So it's still within those normal kind of office hours, so to speak. And it's a combination of working with people at a personal level. Like you said, it is very personal because you are getting into some personal stuff from, you know, early on in life. And so it's a combination of working with individuals and then it's a combination of working with businesses. Generally, working with businesses takes a little bit more of my time. If I go out and meet with a business and talk to somebody, I'll be there maybe two hours versus an hour because you're really getting into the, you know, how they're running their business in different areas. And then, you know, maybe I'm out there half a day. So how I structure my business client is different than how I structure my individual client. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It just, it sounds really fun because I I know so many accountants that they long to make a difference in their client's life. And that's exactly what you're doing at a very deep level. 
a long-term difference. That's very interesting. You mentioned being a certified money coach. I'm sure we could look Mm -hmm. it up online and do a lot of research, but in a nutshell, what does it take to become a certified money coach and what's the value in that for you as well as the client? Becoming a certified money coach is a 16-week program. And I went through the program with the founder of the Money Coaching Institute. And she also led the class and she also was my coach. So in order to become a certified money coach, you actually have to go through the process yourself. And so I did that. And then I also had to practice clients while I was going through the process in order to get certified. And while you have the practice clients, you go to class and you talk about what you're learning, kind of your interactions with the client and bring the information back to class, talk through any, you know, kind of questions that you have in order to, you know, coach the client or assist them. Really, I think to coach sounds wrong. And that sounds like I'm leading them, but really just to assist them in the process. And then at the end of the six weeks, there's a kind of an evaluation process and out process, so to speak, with the instructor. Okay. Okay. I'm curious, what brings you the most joy about what you do? Oh, you know, I think for me, what brings me the most joy is just when I see kind of that light go on for the people that I'm working with. And, you know, really, it's just that kind of when that awareness comes into their mind and you know, it's almost like that hope, you know, there's a flicker. And, you know, I'm just there to help my clients and create an awareness and to kind of guide them. And when that change is visible in them, and you just see it like just the smallest kind of shift in just their face or the smile that comes across their face or just the awareness of something that just lights me up. Because I know that in that moment, there's been some transformation that's happened. And I know it's going to change their life. And that's really why I do what I do. That is neat. That is neat. You know, a large part of our audience is, you know, earlier on in their career, either an accounting student or, you know, in the first two, three, four years of their career, given your experience and the expertise, you know, that you've developed in this area, you know, what advice would you have for that demographic or age group, if you will? Oh, You know, I would say in working with the younger people in the profession, I would just say believe in yourself, you know, have confidence in yourself and what you're doing and don't be afraid to ask questions. It's okay. That's what, you know, people are there for to help you out. But really just believe that what got yourself there. I find that people tend to doubt themselves and question. And it's, you know, you work in a profession where you get review notes. (laughs) And, you know, and and that can really impact a person um, and their confidence. But it just kind of reinforced, like, believe in yourself and what got yourself there and have confidence in it and know that the people that are there are there to help you. And um, if you're ever just really mired down in kind of the negative thoughts that are overwhelming you because busy season can be grinding. And, you know, just if you have a lot of negative thoughts playing in your head, just get up and move, remove yourself from the situation, change what's in front of you in that moment. And if you have to just go outside, because if you were in a room with somebody who is saying a bunch of negative stuff to you, you'd remove yourself. And, you know, when we get in these kind of times when we're really tired and we're working a lot of hours, 
it can be really easy to get in a negative place in our head. So just get up and move yourself and change your perspective so you can get into a more positive mindset. You know, I say we create what we believe. And if we believe that, you know, oh, I'm not going to be get this done in time or X, you know, YZ, whatever it may be that, you know, is kind of rolling in our head, then that's where we're going to be. So I, I like to shift it into a place of just, you know, believing in ourselves and having confidence in what got you know, you to that place and in that moment, because you're there for a reason and you belong to be there. And, you know, I encourage people to do this exercise I did for myself. And I wish I had learned it sooner is to go home and look at yourself in the mirror and to say, thank you. And it seems like such a small exercise, but we thank so many people in our life for how we got to where we are today. You know, we thank them when we graduate college and, but we never stop and thank ourselves. And I just say, thank you. You know, look in the mirror and say, thank you for getting me through four years of college. And thank you for sitting there and studying the CPA exam and just acknowledge yourself so that when you are kind of mired down in those long hours and busy moments, just you kind of step back and really just get into a better place and believing in all of your abilities that you do have and that got you to that moment. Wow. That's great. If I'm getting a free session here just by recording this podcast, this is beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I do think you're right. I think it's sort of the flip side of being the responsible professionals that we as accountants are, is that we can be very hard on ourselves. And yeah, that's, wow, Mm -hmm. that's golden. Definitely. Yeah. I'm curious if you personally could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what do you think that might be? Oh, well, presuming that my younger self would take it, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I think that I would just say, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I was a very independent person and I, you know, I did whatever it was that I wanted to do. I just set up my mind to do something and I did it. And a lot of times I did it on my own and I didn't ask for help. I thought that if I cried, that was being weak. And um, I was just really kind of uh, on my own in that journey. And so I would just offer to a younger version of myself, find somebody that you can talk to. And I don't mean somebody who's going to say, yeah, you're so right when I'm talking about, oh, this person is a jerk. And you know, somebody who's going to feed into that. You want somebody who's going to lift you up and support you where you are and kind of build you in that place so that when you're stuck and you're like, I'm in this, I don't know what to do. They're kind of, they could be a mentor one week and look for that person and ask for help when you need it. You know, there is a point in my career where my husband was deployed. He's in the military. I had two babies and I was working, you know, 60 plus hours a week and I was doing it all on myself and I wouldn't ask for help. Like who wouldn't need help in those situations? And that's an extreme. There are times just when you're working 40 hours a week and you are single and you need help, you know, just because you're a parent and you're working and, you know, have kids that's not the only time that you need help. You need help even if you're single and there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with crying. It's not weak to ask for help. So 
I just offer that to people. Like I've learned now in where I'm at as an entrepreneur, I have joined the Elevate Alliance that was founded by Sarah Elliott. And it's a group of women entrepreneurs and we come together to support each other. And when I am in a place where I don't know what to do with my business or I don't know what direction to take it, I reach out and I ask for help. And it has made a huge impact in my business. And so I just would offer that to a younger version of myself. That is good advice. So so often we let our thoughts go negative, you know, and if we would just ask for a little help or even just talk to somebody, <laughs> it would make a huge difference. Right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Right. I didn't realize you were part of Sarah's Elevate Alliance. She's doing a lot of good in the world. I hear her name very frequently these days, actually. Yes, she is. And it's an amazing organization for women entrepreneurs. And I think if you're even in business, just like kind of, it's a place where women come together and they are all women who just bring love to what they do and they're passionate about what they do and are supporting each other in elevating their business to the next level. It's an amazing resource. That is good. Well, we could talk for a long time. I do want to be respectful of your time and keep the shows to a reasonable length. There are three questions that I ask every guest. So let's go ahead and move on to those. First one is usually the easiest for the guest. From a career perspective, what has been your proudest moment? My proudest moment was when I launched my new business. It was a very, like, just being surrounded by people who loved and supported me. And I think for the first time, just it was the first moment in my life where I really stepped into being confident in who I am and saying, this is me and this is what I'm doing. I'm a relationship coach for your soul, yourself and your money. And I believe in the gifts that I have and I'm telling the world. And I was just confident in that. And I wasn't, you know, afraid to share that with the world. And I was surrounded by people that I loved and who supported me in that. And I have to say that that's been the proudest moment in my career. It's very freeing and a sense of relief, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, second question, tell us about a mistake you made and what you learned from it, of course, because really that's what we're going for. But the bigger, the better. We (laughs) like it when guests share big mistakes. (laughs) A big mistake. Gosh, you know, I made plenty of mistakes in my career, you know, just from a, a work paper perspective and really getting consumed by them. And, you know, I just, I think taking a step back and realizing like I, I'm not operating on somebody, nobody's going to die was really valuable to me and not getting super consumed by those mistakes. And gosh, the bigger, the better. You know, I can't remember any like big mistakes I made from a, say, work paper or client perspective. I would just say more from the, um, Again, I think what I was saying earlier is just reaching out and asking for support and having somebody help guide me through that process. Hmm. That is good. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? The best piece of advice I ever received was I was pretty early on in my career and I was trying to decide what firm 
I wanted to go work with. I had two offers on the table and someone said to me, to make the decision that you will regret the least. It's easy to live with a mistake. It's a lot harder to live with regret. And so I've always remembered that whenever I was trying to make a decision. And I've shared that with people. What I've come to learn is that's really is listen to your intuition. Listen to your gut. Like if something is telling you that you're going to regret not following that, go with it. That is your intuition telling me that I need to move in this direction and ultimately make a decision that best suits me, not somebody else. There may be mistakes that I make within that choice, but those are for my own personal growth. And so far, using that has led me to where I am today. Wow, that is deep. And that's, wow, that is good advice to share. It's easy to live with a mistake, but it's hard to live with regret. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is wonderful advice to end this on. Definitely. Well, for our audience, this has been Robina Binion on Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet visited our website, please do so. You can find the show notes for Robina's episode as well as all our other episodes, including Sarah Elliott, who she mentioned, actually. Plus, we have an extraordinary amount of career-related content at this point to help you move your own career forward. Our site is whereaccountantsgo.com. If you happen to be an employer, we also have Hiring for Accounting. That's a comprehensive guide for employers to help out in that area. And once again, that site is whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, Rabina, this really has been special. Thank you so much for joining us today. If someone wants to find out more about your coaching practice or consulting practice, where's the best place to find you online? They can go to my website at robinabenion.com, and that's R-O-B-I-N-A-B-E-N-N-I-O-N.com. Beautiful. Easy to find. Well, thank you to the audience for joining us as well. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.